Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Tales from the Bar. I am your host, Jen Noga. Today, I'm here with Caitlin Black. You may know her from Heart of Dixie. I know her as somebody who graduated from the college that I dropped out of. Um, (laughs) You may introduce yourself. You can give your last four digits of your social security number, the last three digits on the back of your credit card, whatever identity stealing information you'd like to give. It's up to you. Uh, Hi, Caitlin Black here. Um, Kent State uh, University graduate of 2005. So you can do the math on, on how old I am. Actually, I'm 37. I have no bones about being 37. Um, and uh, yeah, currently in Ohio for the next week and then heading out to Los Angeles, hopefully for some pilot season auditions. But I have spent the last year in Ohio staying with my parents. Oh my gosh, same. Mm-hmm, yes, but you're in your 20s, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, not that, I mean, I, I, there's a lot of people in our industry, especially people that were in New York City, which is where I was and was supposed to start another play. Um, and when there's no work, there's no work. And when you have no work, you can't pay rent. So, you know, I, I feel very fortunate that I was able to come back to Ohio and and chill with the parents, the parentals. Because you're from you're from Copley, right? If I did my Googling correct? Yeah, yeah. Originally, like, Fairlawn, Copley area. Um, I went to Revere High School. I went to St. Hillary's. I did, I did, I ran the gamut of schools. I did a co-ed Catholic school for elementary. Then I did an all-girls Catholic school for 8th and ninth, And then I finally finished with a public school. So I, I had the assortment. I I'm seeing I'm seeing many, many similarities here right now and it's a little scary because I did I did the Catholic school for grade school and then I did public school for the rest. Um, okay. But I am from Twinsburg, so I'm like half hour outside of Cleveland, twenty minutes, depends on who you ask. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh and she's from Kent State. I was like, what a what a what a fun little fact that we're gonna have today. <laughs> yeah, my grandma um had a dance studio for over 50 years up in Parma, Middleburg Heights area. So we were, we ventured up there to, at least usually twice a week as I was growing up taking I f- classes. I feel like Copley and Revere both played Twinsburg or at least they do for football, but it's been, I'm so far removed from high school football that I don't even know anymore. I never went to real. I never really went to any games because I was off dancing or doing musical theater stuff. So I was, Never, never really involved in sports except for one semester. I think it was in eighth grade. I played volleyball, and that was about it. I also played volleyball. Man, this is scary. <laughs> We're going to have to put some Twilight Zone music at the back of this. Like, yeah. So my first, my first official question is, what is your favorite 90s bop? 90s bop? Oh, my God. Well, if I'm being totally honest, it has to be Umbop by Hanson. <laughs> I was obsessed with Taylor Hanson. Um, I thought he was gorgeous. Um, I this is this is ba- kids. This is back in the day when um, you had to record things uh, with a VHS and a VCR. If you saw something on television, you wanted to keep. And so I l- literally had a VHS at the ready, like watching MTV. Because if Mbop came on, I threw that tape in and I press record and then I would just play it over and over and over and over. Um, so yeah, I was, uh, I was definitely Hanson and then Backstreet Boys. I was more Backstreet Boys than, than NSYNC for sure. That feels like they were like the One Direction and the Jonas Brothers before 
mm-hmm. the One Direction, the Jonas mm-hmm. Brothers, because I feel like every every generation like has one, and I yeah. have mine, and I don't even know who the new people are as the. I don't know. Well, New Kids on the Block really start. You know, that was like, you know, eighties. That was late eighties, I guess. And then Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Ninety Eight Degrees. Um, yeah, and the, yeah, I have no idea now. Yeah, I'm so far far removed. It makes me it makes me feel a lot older because I turned 22 last month and I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know these trends like I'm on TikTok and I was like, I don't understand what anything's happening. And I was like, is this what? It's like there's there's millenn there's such millennial Gen Z discourse right now. And I don't know where it came from, but I, I don't understand. I'm not on TikTok. I can, I barely, like, I force myself, not force, but, you know, I try to stay involved and active in Instagram, um, but I'm not on Twitter. Like, you know, there's just, there's too many things, and, like, you can just kind of go down the rabbit hole of social media, and um, I'd rather read a book. Yeah, you're not missing much. Do you have any book recommendations? Um, I'm a huge fan of Alexandra Fuller. She's probably my favorite author. She grew up um, in Rhodesia. Zambia, Zimbabwe, um, during, during apartheid, during, like when that was happening in South Africa. And so she writes about being a white family growing up there, um, during a lot of war torn, uh, situations. Uh, don't let's go to the dogs tonight. Cocktail hour under the tree of forgetfulness, which is probably my favorite title of all, all time. And, um, the new one that I'm reading is, uh, Travel, uh, travel light, move fast. Cause I'm, I'm trying to fill up a whole little notebook. I have my, my notebook over here of, I'm going to try to fill up this whole thing of books and I'm like, nice. an, I'm an audiobook person. So okay. I'm like, I need recommendations really bad. Cause I need to fill it all up. So that's my goal for 2021. That, nice. and, that that's and finish, a great goal and finish criminal minds. I'm on season eight. Okay. So I'm nearly there. I'm in the home stretch. I feel like. I can't remember if it's Criminal Minds or Numbers, but one of those shows, I did a lot of extra work when I first came to LA. Really? So you might, you could possibly see me in the background. I feel like every, it was like with like Law and Order, like everybody's been in Law and Order, like somebody you know, or you know somebody that's been in Law and Order. Yeah. If you've been in New York long enough, you've definitely done a Law and Order. But yeah, I uh, definitely did the background work. Somebody actually posted something about, they were like, did I see you in the background of the sweet life of Zach and Cody? And I was like, yep. Really? Yep. Oh, oh yeah. Goodness. Yeah. That, yeah. I was, um, you know, when you get out there and when I got out there, you, I was just trying to get my SAG and my aftercard and you could buy into after at the time, but for SAG, you had to get vouchers. So you had to show up to a job and somebody that was union had to not show up because they have to give out so many union vouchers per day. Um, and so you were just hoping that somebody wouldn't show up so that you could then get that voucher. And if you got three of them, then you could join SAG. So I was doing that, you know, just like pounding the pavement of, of doing background and extra work until finally I actually booked a, a national commercial and then I was able to go directly into SAG. So that's, that's cool. how that happened. Cause I, I have a, not a lot of people from my town are like actors, but I did do like, um, a career program for media technology and I didn't want to be an actor because I have the shittiest memory known to man. Um, so remembering lines is probably not something that I could do very well, but my friend moved out to California for a while to try the acting thing. And he was like, how the fuck do I get into SAG? Like, how do I, 
I was like, it seems very complicated. It is. And I couldn't even tell you what the requirements are now because I have no idea. But yeah, it was, it was tough. It was really, really tough, you know? And the, the problem is, is that you're not going to go in for TV pilots or guest stars or co-stars if you're not union. You know, it's really hard for your representation to try to get you in the door for casting to see you if you're not already union. So it's, um, it can be an uphill battle. Interesting. So you were saying you were in New York and you were on Broadway. I think wasn't the play called Date Me or something like that? Yeah. Hashtag hashtag Date Me and OK Cupid Experiment. So if you could describe that play, like the story, (laughs) in the simplest Uh, terms possible. (laughs) Sure. So it's it's about this uh, character Robin, and um, she this she truly did this. She created like what she thought of as 37 undateable profiles, like totally outlandish. No one could believe that someone's actually, you know, Tracy loves cats and all she does is talk about her cats and has photos of cats and, you know, just all of these men, women, straight, gay. Um, and she, she did it as a social experiment because when she put her own profile up, she was just getting like DMs of like, hey, you want to see my dick? Like, I mean, literally just, you know, very graphic kind of posts. But when she put these undateable, I say that in quotations, um, profiles up, she was getting a lot of um, a lot of responses from people that weren't even interested in dating. They were just like, I love cats too. Or they like bonded over stuff. And you could see like kind of the loneliness uh, of people and, you know, how kind of online dating has kind of changed the game a little bit. And just feeling like kind of secluded or trying to find the person. I don't know. It, it, it was a very interesting experiment, but it happened during a really, she went down this rabbit hole because her best friend died very suddenly of cancer. And you, that's not revealed until the end because she always thought she was going to end up, you know, if all, if all things fail, her, her gay best friend, they were going to move to Florida. They were going to be the golden girls and that was going to be it. So that was always the backup plan if she didn't find her person. Um, and then when, when he died, it just, you know, it really devastated her and she, she secluded herself in her house and then was able to then use this to make a show. And in that show, I mean, we had three musical numbers, we had two sections of improv, and then we also had a scripted show and we did eight shows a week. And it was um, the toughest, most challenging, most rewarding, most fulfilling job I've ever done. That is, that sounds incredible. I wish I could have seen it. Um, What is the difference between acting on a stage and then acting on a screen? Well, a screen, you know, it, it can be much more technical. You know, like you have to make sure you find your light. You have to make sure you hit your mark. Um... You know, when you're in a close-up, you got to make sure that you're not flailing around and making things, you know, uh, too big or, you know, um, you know, especially like with Anna Beth, you know, she can be very like a lot of facial expressions. And when you're in a close-up, you got to tone it down a little bit or you're going to look crazy. Um, but, you know, when you're in a theater you're not only is it instant gratification, like, you know, if the jokes land, you know, if the beats work, um, it's, it's automatic, you know, you can tell if the audience is with you or is not with you. Um, and so there's, there's, 
an exhilaration to performing live. They're all, you know, the nerves, no matter how many times you've done the show, um, you know, right before when places are called, there's always kind of that like butterfly in your stomach that you're getting ready to go. Um, but, you know, I would then say with, with television and film, if you're doing a very dramatic scene and you're having to cry over and over and over and over again, it can be so exhausting and taxing like emotionally and mentally at the end of the day. Um, which I had to do like a rape victim one time and, uh, literally kept my headphones in my ears and when we were getting ready to roll because I was just constantly listening to the same sad song over and over and over again and uh, I would just continuously kind of like work myself up and when they were like okay we're gonna go I'd take it out throw my phone and do the scene and you know when you do that even for like 20 minutes it's it, it can be it can be a lot so I mean I would say like with tv and film it, it can be more technical um, and so Sometimes when you feel like you're not doing very much, it's coming across that you're doing a lot because the camera's so close to you. Um, whereas I think you can be bigger and bolder when you're on stage. Do you have a Do you have a preference for? Oof. Monetarily, <laughs> <laughs> uh, television. Um, I, I love I love doing television, especially when the show like gets picked up like Dixie where you, you create this family network, your, your character continues to grow and there's such an incredible arc. And, um, I mean, I, I think that's great. It's very fulfilling. Um, and to, you know, kind of build that family base that you go to and you see every day. Um, a film I have, I've, I've done probably less film, you know, I've done a couple of independents and a couple of lifetime movies, um, and they're always like two or three weeks. So I just always feels like it, it's super short. Um, but there, I, I, there's nothing like being in front of a live audience. There's nothing like having a cast where, you know, you'll have different inside jokes every night because of audience members, because something didn't land, because a prop fell off the stage, because, you know, like it, it's, it's always the same and yet it's never the same on stage. I do have I do have questions about Heart of Dixie because I've seen that show upwards of probably like eight times since <laughs> I've been a sophomore in high school. So I've probably watched it like once a year, like every year. And um, afterwards, I keep wondering how many times do I think that Chicken proposes to Annabeth on the regular? Like, is it like a once a week thing? Is it like a once a month every day? Like, that's that's the question. That's the pressing question I always have. Oh, the pressing question. Oh, God, poor chicken. Um, I think I think it might be on a definitely monthly, if not uh, quarterly basis. I, you know, I don't think you know he's. I don't think he's a glutton for punishment. But you know, I think after he gets rejected, he has to. It takes a you know a little while to lick and heal his wounds, and then he's back at it. You know, you never know. The, the moon might be in a different position. She might say yes this time. I don't know. You know, maybe things so. are not going well with George Tucker. And she says, you know oh, what, chicken? George. He said, you mm -hmm. know what? I feel like the first three seasons were so, like, coherent. And then season four, it was, like, it was good. And then everything was just, like, we got to wrap it up really, really quickly. Yeah. So I was, like, not that That's I didn't enjoy it, but it felt like everything kind of just came out of nowhere. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely can see how that would feel for fans you know we have the table read we kind of know the the arc of what's going to happen and we also we we knew we were fortunate enough to know like 
we have 10 episodes and that's it kind of a deal. Um, so it wasn't like, Hey, you're not getting picked up. So you already shot your last episode. Um, which I think is always really sad as a cast. If you get, if that gets, um, you know, pulled out from under the rug. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I was definitely like, wait, I'm not going to end up with Levon. Uh, but you know, it's, uh, I think it worked out the way it was supposed to, um, you know, I, I could never say that I have a preference for Cress or Scott. I love them both, and I loved working with them both. They were Cress was my first on-screen kiss, though, ever. Um, and uh, he was very sweet because I was very nervous. I was like, well, I mean, like, he was like, just just do a normal kiss. He's like, without tongue. No, there's no tongue. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, 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 I got it. I know, I know, I know. No tongue. Copy that. All right. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think – it all happened so fast and we, you know, part of the reason that we only did 10 was because Rachel was pregnant and she was going to have a baby very, very soon. So we had to wrap it up. They were like, um, it's time for the baby now. Yeah. So yeah, we were, you know, Hey, I still cross my fingers that it's going to turn out to be like a Gilmore girl situation and Get we're going to have, I'll, I'll know. lead the charge for it. I'll be like, come on. I need to know what they named the baby. Yeah. I think everybody wants to know that. So, Fun fact about Cress, he stars in Black Lightning, as I'm sure you know. Um, yeah. One of my cousins actually wrote, Tony Isabella actually wrote the comic book that he- Oh my gosh. Right? That's amazing. So I was like, I was like, I wonder if I could get him on. So I sent an email to his manager, but so far nothing. So I think I'm going to send another one and be like, hello. I'll, sh- I'll shoot him a little text. Okay. Be like, hello, it's me. I'll shoot him in text. He's very busy. He does have oh, kiddos yeah. and, you know, with the, with the show. Um, but we actually, we, we have like a running text chain and, you know, wishing people the happy birthday and Merry Christmas and Thanksgiving, all that kind of jazz. But we did have a, a really nice um, Zoom reunion a little while back, which like, was fun. If anybody wants to dig around on Zoom and drink alcohol, I'm your gal. <laughs> Yes, ma'am. Yes. But uh, my dad my dad did have one question. He said, um, yes. did you learn anything from Alan Autry? Because he is a huge fan in the heat of the night. Um, and I was like, oh, you mean Mayor Ganey? <laughs> yeah. He was just, he was lovely. He was, I mean, I think one of the biggest things that I would tell people, especially that are coming in as guest stars or co-stars, is one to have a really good work ethic, you know, be, be absolutely a hundred percent prepared. Don't be late. Don't, you know, um, and it's always hard when you're stepping into like a family unit and they're like, I'm going to be on this episode and then I'm going to see you guys in like four weeks or, or whatever. But he, you know, he's just a consummate professional and, uh, he was just sweet and calm and cool and collected and, you know, was just, it was just really nice to be around him. You know, it was like you, you, he, he just fit so well into our family as most people did. I'm not, you know, but, um, yeah, I didn't have, I didn't have as many scenes with him as like Crest did. So, uh, you know, I didn't get to work with him as, as much as I would like, but he was, he was just lovely. It, It was just, you know, a testament to people who will continuously work, have a really good work ethic and a really good attitude. Have you ever seen In the Heat of the Night? I have not. Oh, it's good. It's good. Because <laughs> it, it was a movie and then it was a TV show. Yeah. 
And my dad is like, I don't want to say he's obsessed with it, but he's a little bit obsessed with it. Because, you know, <laughs> dads don't get obsessed with things. No, no. Hey, we all have our things, you His, know, whether it's shows or books or comic books or bands. Sim City right now. So he's building okay. his own little city. And I was like, God. do you need, I was like, do you want to, do you want to take my therapy appointment? Like, do you need to work something out? Like, <laughs> are you having a crisis? That's interesting. I don't, I, I, there's definitely no way in hell that my parents would be like any kind of video game it virtual was, reality situation. It was a shock to me. Cause I like, I'm sitting mm-hmm. on the couch and I don't remember what I was watching. And I look over, it's probably the Simpsons if I'm going to be honest. And I look over and I see my dad's on his iPad and I was like, are you playing The Sims? And he was like, yeah, and what about it? I was like, are you okay? Okay. <laughs> I, can, I can be mean to my dad. It's funny when I do it, but if anybody else does it, it's bad. <laughs> oh, sure. Yeah, that's, you know, as children, we're very protective of our parents, but yet we were allowed to give them shit. Yeah. Do you have any, do you have any siblings? I do. I have a younger sister. Um, she just turned 34, and she lives in Ohio um, married for almost eight years. And I was actually just had a little sleep over there. Um, spent some time with her and my brother-in-law last night. Um, and this morning, cause in a week I'll take a road trip to LA. So yeah, I mean, you know, she, we both grew up dancing at my grandma's dance studio. She did not enjoy it. She did not enjoy being on the stage. She would often cry during recitals, whereas when I got on the stage, my dad would have to stand in the wings with M&Ms to get me off the stage. Once I, once I was on, good luck. Like, I, I know my crowd. I found my audience. You're like, they think, they think I'm adorable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to soak it all in because I have a 17-year-old yeah. brother, so okay. very starkly different. But um, I'm trying to get him to start a band with me. And because he's also a musician. I mean, I don't, neither of us perform, but we both play uh-huh. instruments. And I was like, I want, what do you guys play? I play guitar and then he plays the bass primarily. And then he's learning guitar and piano because, of course, he has to like one up me um, <laughs> in true younger sibling fashion. So sure, sure. sure if sure. I were re- short of resorting to violence, what would <laughs> what would how do you um, when you want your sister to do something with you? What is your go to like method? Make it their idea. Make it, make them think that they thought of it. <laughs> um, then it's a lot easier. You got to like infiltrate like a, like the matrix, like make it, make it their idea first. Be like, I, I mean, I don't know. You'd have to like maybe reference a friend of yours in common or something that they started, they started a band or they're, you know, they're playing around and it seems like it's really fun. And I, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I would have to think, I would have to really work the plan in my head because uh, me spitballing right now is not making a lot of sense um, or progress for you. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, or, or trade it in for something that they really want to do. Like my sister's always interested in like manicure, manicures and pedicures. And that's like something that I'm like, I'd rather spend my money on something else. So, you know, if you, if you can do that, if you can like kind of a tit for tat. There is a cat on my roof. Oh, um, let me go text, your, text is my it your cat. It's our, it's our neighbor's cat. Um, okay. and he basically lives here full time and mm-hmm. I don't know why he's on the roof right now, but I'm going to text my brother and 
be like, can you please deal with the cat? Maybe he's looking to get into showbiz. Maybe. He was he's like, very dramatic. He is a very, well, he's, he's a drama queen. Um, I, I think he's, I think he's trying to. Yeah, he's get on, like. Get on your podcast. Oh, he's been on it. He's, he's interrupted. He was, I was doing one two weeks ago and uh-huh. he ended up on the roof and it was like at night. So I had to go get him down because I was the only one home. And I was like, I was like, so we're going to need to press pause because he felt the uh, the person I was talking to felt really bad because their dog was making a lot of noise. And Ooh. I was like, I, I will bet you money that George ends up on the roof because they got a Christmas card from me when it was me and George. And sure enough, there he was. Hopefully, yeah, hopefully he went to the back because I am not the most opportune person. But yeah, that's my that's my whole life now is I just rescue the cat off the roof. <laughs> Well, you could apply to be a firefighter, I guess. I could, but I'm not yeah. very strong. Well, you do have some background experience. I do. I could. That's, I'd be what, like, that's what my, my brother-in-law is actually a lieutenant uh, firefighter paramedic. I could play a firefighter as long as I don't have any lines. I'll be. It's, just car- carrying the hose. Yeah. I could or be driving, a, the, driving the truck. Well, I can't drive either, so I don't know if they'd let legally Uh-oh. if they'd let me do that, but. Do you well, need like a if you're issue. gonna drive on screen? Do you need to have a driver's license? Yes. Oh, okay. Good to know. Um, but um, so the one episode where I uh, back into the barn mm-hmm. and save Levon, I wasn't allowed to do that. They had a stunt double do that. Huh. Yeah, I wasn't allowed to crash into the barn. They were like. They're like, maybe she doesn't do all her own stunts. Yeah. I was like, dang it. I was like, I kind of wanted to crash into some. If you could, if you could do your own stunts, what would it, what, um, what very big outlandish thing would you be willing to try? Oh gosh. Oof. Not, I mean, like, I'd definitely be willing to like fall into like some netting or, you know, something along that line. But, um. I have a an old back injury, so I actually can't do too much. Um, and now that I'm, you know, in my late thirties, I really can't do too much. So I'm, you know, I'm totally fine having uh, a stunt double take on that role. And I also feel like uh, stunt people deserve a an award, like they deserve a category at the Golden Globes, at the Emmys, at the, and definitely at the Oscars. It's it's been far too long that those amazing people have you know been left out have you uh have you gone to any of those award ceremonies before I only went to um the gosh is it the eddies or the I think it's the eddies not the eddies oh god this is a long time ago (laughs) um but it was it was for editors uh, specifically for editors and I was I actually was able to present which was really cool um, but other than that, no, I've, you know, I never got a publicist, which may have been poor planning on my part. I, I mean, maybe I should have gotten a publicist so that I could have gone to more things and then gotten my face out there and my name out there more after Heart of Dixie ended. But, you know, in my naivete, I was like, oh, well, I'm just going to book another job right away. And then I didn't work for an entire year. And that's the nature of the business, you know, like you can have this credit and, you know, a successful career and then suddenly like nothing. 
Um, so, you know, I've learned a lot. I've learned from my, from my mistakes. Um, I don't, not even mistakes, failures. I don't know. I don't know what you want to call it. I've, I've learned from the bumps in the road. Yes. From bumps in the road and past decisions to make better decisions in the future. And I think, you know, hopefully if I get on another show or if I do a big movie, I will definitely get a publicist. I will definitely, you know, I don't like promoting myself, I think is part of the problem. It's like, well, my work speaks for me. So if people like it, then I'll keep working. If they don't, then they, you know, but that's part of the game. It is part of the industry. So, um, so, you know, you live, you learn. Yeah. That's what I'm working on right now is when I have to like promote myself. And I was like, but like, I'm not, I'm not a, I always toe the line between being a very shy person and then being like a very outgoing person. It just kind of depends what like mode I'm in. And, or, like, the people I'm around. So I am working on this side project about mental health, and I have been calling up professionals, and then I have to, like, sell myself over the phone, like a telemarketer. And mm-hmm. I, like, I, I'm i very bad at it, but everybody that I've talked to so far was like, oh, my gosh, it's such a cool idea. Like, you sound very nice. And then I'm also applying for jobs because I'm unemployed, so now I really have to sell myself. Sure. And it's difficult. I wish I had a, I to hire a publicist just to get me a job. I know it is. It is hard. You know, I, I applaud people that are able to do it very easily. Um, but yeah, it's just, um, I I do miss having what we call producer sessions. Like when you would go and audition and you get a call back and then you were in the room, you're in the room with the writer and the director and the producers and you fed off of that energy. Whereas now, even, even before the pandemic there, it, turned into a lot of self tapes. This is going to, this tape is going to go straight to the producers and I hated it. And I still hate it. Like I like being in the room and being able to feed off other people's energy um, because I hate watching myself. So watching self tapes gives me such anxiety. And I'm like, I don't like the way I look there. My mom's like, that's fine. And I was like, Nope, do it again. Take 67. Let's go. You know? uh, Yeah. It's, you know, it just, you can, Again, you, I use rabbit hole a lot, but you can go down this self-tape rabbit hole where, you know, you just start nitpicking at everything and like, oh, my chin wasn't down. And then you could see this, you know, it's just, it makes me cuckoo-cuckoo, honestly. It's like, so self-tapes, I'm getting better at them, but um, it's probably one of my least favorite things to do. Have they been doing like a lot of like Zoom-like auditions? Um, I have, yes. I've had friends that have had Zoom auditions. Usually that's like you're going you're going to be in front of the producers maybe. Um but kind of just first time auditions have all been self-taped. And I've only had 3 auditions this year, which I am grateful for because I think I had 3 auditions of all of last year. Um so and I'm hoping that that's going to pick up a lot once I'm out of Ohio because I think part of the issue is they don't want to bring people from out of state if they don't have to yeah. right now. So I will be driving my ass to Los Angeles next week and uh, staying there, hopefully until I get a job. But at least you'll get a really pretty road trip out of it. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully no, like, major inclement, <laughs> awful weather inclement. <laughs> inclement? Yeah, inclement. Okay. You know, when you stop talking to people for a year, you really lose your vocabulary. This and it's is just, <laughs> this was my know. way of getting back to talking to people because I have 
I, you know, I have my bubble of my brother, my mom, and my dad, and then I have, like, four people that I talk to very on the regular, and we've just devolved in our language, so mm-hmm. now I was, like, now I gotta remember how to, like, actually talk to people, and it's yeah. been, it's been rough. Yeah, well, I, I was fortunate enough that, um, my parents' neighbor is, uh, like, kind of, like, an executive assistant to this woman, and this woman's mother ha- is 92, has dementia, some mobility issues, and uh, she they took her out of the nursing home to stay with her uh, once the cases got really bad. And they were like, would you like to have a job, you know, being with her a couple hours, you know, a couple days a week or whatever. So since November, Monday through Friday from 3 to 9, I go and I see Wilma. And, uh, you know, but that's, that's been like, besides like my parents, my sister and a couple of other people, my, um, life has kind of revolved around answering the same 20 questions over and over again for about, you know, six hours and doing puzzles and trying to, uh, at least make her laugh a couple times a day. That's so, so sweet. Her name is yeah. Wilma. That's adorable. And Wilma Jean, the queen. Oh, so I'm going to I'm going to go back to Heart of Dixie cuz I'm looking sure. at my questions cuz they're they're yeah. all out of order cuz that's how my brain works. That's all right. I I'm all over the place so. Oh yeah. So, what do you think AB would be up to in 2021? What do you think she'd be doing? I definitely think she's a nurse. I think because she loves kids so much, I think she would have been a pediatric nurse um or labor and delivery. Um I think she would have been great. Uh, as a labor and delivery nurse. Also, my dad's an OBGYN, so I like I, I lean towards that anyways. I would have gone into medicine if acting hadn't worked out. Um, I think I think her and George, if they're not engaged, I mean, they have to at least be engaged if they're not married already. Depending on where she is in nursing um, or resident, you know, where she is in her career, like, Maybe she's pregnant. Maybe she's had her first baby. But that's kind of what I I imagine I envision for her. I think, you know, she's a working mom or she's working and is looking to be a mom soon. You know, she's trying – she's going to do it all. And she's going to be able to do it all because she has a supportive partner. Yeah. I think I think they, you know, I think they support each other really well. I Yeah, because yeah. I, was, I was thinking about it and I was like, she'd probably be – doing doing her civic duty with the I mean even if there wasn't a pandemic like she'd probably just always be helping yeah she I mean like if she wasn't she probably would have gone if she wasn't in bluebell she would have gone back (laughs) back to bluebell slow down Caitlin um and would have helped administer vaccines or you know started filling people in or she she would have done something yeah do you do you wish that you lived in a town like bluebell like something like a small town? Um, no, not right now. Maybe when I'm older, you know, maybe when I like retire, that would be a nice, uh, a nice way to retire. Some probably I'm, I'm much more of an East coaster. So like Massachusetts, Maine, um, would be lovely. But I, I lived in LA for 12 years. I love LA. I'm excited to go back, but I was definitely ready for a change of pace and 
I lived in New York right after college and before I went out to Los Angeles for almost two years. And I loved being back there. I love the pace of the city. I love the vibe. I love the heartbeat. I love walking everywhere in the subway. And um, so I, I definitely think for right now, I am an urban kind of gal. But I love the idea of it. I don't think there are any towns quite like it that I've heard of. Because my, my hometown is like, it thinks it's very much like Bluebell, but it's actually too big to be considered a small town, which is, it's a very interesting, very interesting dynamic. But yeah. what was the craziest, I mean, the the craziest thing that I can remember happening was like the prophecy, but was there anything like even crazier that was, I don't want to say challenging to film, but. No, that was definitely the most <laughs> challenging for sure. Um, yeah, just, I mean, lighting, smoke, like, I mean, it was, there were, there were so many elements of it. Everything else, I mean, you know, anytime we had any kind of parade and you had to put on some kind of a colonial garb or, you know, crazy costume. I mean, some, sometimes when we did some of the musical numbers, um, that was a lot because you were not only shooting but then you'd have to find time to rehearse and then you'd have also have to find time to go to ADR to sing to lay down like your track or you know for the episode so that was always um a lot of work but it was fun work because it brought me back to like musical theater uh and then of course Laura Bell Bundy who's a musical theater queen um you know it was always a joy to work with her she's such a uh, just amazing and talented and the sweetest human being ever. So, um, but yeah, the, definitely the prophecy was probably like the most outlandish of episodes. How many, how many takes did it take you to recite the, the prophecy with Cress like looking down at you with that weird beard thing? <laughs> God. Okay. You have to remember this is at least six years ago. So you know, Usually for stuff like that, like what I do is I rewrite all of my lines. So I write out all of my lines so that I kind of get them in my body. Um, and I'm guessing, I'm I'm hoping it was probably only three, four takes. I He just, every time I see that scene, it just cracks me up so much. Oh, I know that we, we, we had to like kind of like get the giggles out first. Yeah. Like we just had to like laugh about it and then we had to be serious about it because like you also have an entire crew standing behind you that's like, we don't really think this is funny and we just want to go to lunch, you know, like so wrap it up. Or like TikTok uh, you know I mean? is. Yeah, no. And I, I say that um, very half-heartedly. We had an amazing crew. Our crew was our family too. But I mean like, not no one thinks it's as funny as the people that are having to do it. So like you really don't want to waste time or get on anybody's bad side by not being able to pull it together and do your job. So you know how the CW is doing like um, Riverdale and like all these very like dark gritty like reboots. Um, uh-huh. If they were to do a very dark and gritty reboot of Heart of Dixie, what do you think the plot line would be? Like, what do you think is the Oh God! Um, <laughs> um, uh, Are you familiar with some of the plot lines that happen in Riverdale? 
No, I don't watch Riverdale. I'm it's sorry, okay. Riverdale. I um, um one of the I would say like like maybe like Wade spends way too much time at the Rammer Jammer. Maybe like becomes an alcoholic. I know this sounds horrible, but like leaves Zoe like at home with the kids all the time. And it's like, she's, she's just hanging on by a thread and um, maybe George has gotten too into the music industry and is hanging with the wrong crowd. I don't know. I I don't know how you can make Bluebell. I don't know how you can make Jixie like dark. Cause that's just, that just seems like their motif right now. But like with Riverdale, it's sometimes you look at it and you you definitely wonder what's happening in that writer's room because they were like in high school and they're like there's a serial killer trying to solve a serial killer murder like you know Archie gets framed for murder like it's insane there's a lot of like there's a lot of like gross stuff that happens too I only saw season Mm -hmm. one but I was like okay if if anything would have a more ridiculous plot line than that I think it would be if you tried to make Dixie like gritty. Yeah. I guess the only thing that I could think of was like, like there could be like a major pandemic or some kind of like zombie apocalypse kind of situation where like Zoe and um, Dr. Breland have to like try to figure out an antidote while, you know, Levon's trying to figure out how to secure the town. And, you know, I don't, you know, George is calling in reinforcements <laughs> from the Navy. I don't know. Like, <laughs> I mean, that would that would be like in the writers' room, be like, check, that's good, it's checked off all the boxes, let's go, yeah, run with exactly. it. Yeah. Do you, if, we got the military, we got a pandemic, we have zombies. If you were gonna go out of the out of the six of you, just like personally, not mm-hmm. even as your character, who do you think would get bitten first by the zombie? Oh, there's a good chance it'd be me. <laughs> I feel like it would either it would either be me or Lemon. <laughs> I just, although I, 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 I don't know because Zoe always wears the highest heels, you know. Too, so I think it's it's the girls. Yeah. It's one of us, and it's going to depend on our outfit and the amount of sleep we got the last night. Like that's really that's I think that's what it boils down to. I always hear I always hear rumors of, you know, after a show has wrapped that people take stuff from the set. Did you take anything like wardrobe or props? I was given wardrobe. I was given certain, you know, pieces. They were like, we're not going to keep these. So if you'd like them. And I was like, yes, of course. The only thing that I took took was um, Rammer Jammer coasters. Nice. From the, Yeah. So I have some of those. But that's it. That's the only thing that I. What wardrobe did you – did you get, like, one of the big, like, dresses or – not, like, the colonial ones, but, like, one of, like, the – what are they called? Like, the sundresses? I got some. I got a couple. Um, the dress – there's a dress that uh, – it's, like, it was white. I don't have – I don't think I have it anymore. Um, and there was, like, a spaghetti strap. And the scene is me and Cress. We're sitting outside the Rammer Jammer having breakfast. That was one dress. The green dress that my hair was up, and I have that date with, um, oh, gosh, now uh, his real name is Travis, Tra- Travis Van Winkle, and I can't think of his character name. I was able to keep that green dress. I kept my um, workout clothes for the uh, that episode where we're all trying to lose weight as a town. 
So whatever, whatever, I think it was like a Victoria's Secret workout clothes outfit, but nothing, nothing like I really wanted that dress with, for the sixties party, that green dress where my hair was like huge. And they were like, no, no, that's like vintage. They said, Sorry, Kate. <laughs> I have a lot of vintage like dresses. I have a lot of seventies dresses in my closet right now. So Instagram is the way that I find that. I go yeah. I go thrifting on Instagram. So if you want a sixties dress, there are plenty of plenty of people that probably have something very similar. My my favorite dress, and I haven't worn this in forever because I feel like I'm too old to wear it now, but um was a, a Betsy Johnson um pink dress that was very similar to the dress that Lorraine in Back to the Future wears to the under the sea enchantment under the sea dance if you're familiar with back to the future I am. okay so it's that like kind of like pink peach dress and i got it for an opening night when i was in my early 20s so i still have it but i haven't worn it but that's like one of my one of my favorite but i, I i'm normally in in like jeans and t-shirts that's i'm in my... a i'm in a jumpsuit today so yes very comfy comfy but yeah. stylish I look like a lumberjack right now. I love it though; it's a good look. Thanks. I was I was gonna wear like I was thinking about wearing a dress today because I was like, you know what? It's a little chilly, but it's sunny, so you know, pull out the dress. And I was gonna wear I was gonna wear my red plaid one, but then I was like, mm, you know, I'm feeling pants because I'm sitting crisscross applesauce on my bed. Yeah. And I was like, I don't yeah. want to be dealing with the dress. Not yeah. today. <laughs> Do you have a role that was like the most challenging? Um, I would definitely say date me. That was, it, it was challenging because it was also like our, the script was constantly changing, especially during previews. Um, so we would do a show and then the next day would come in and there would be, I, I think at one point there were like 19 pages of changes that I tried to incorporate for that show that night. So that was that was challenging. The improv was challenging because I hadn't had a lot of experience with the improv. And so like the first week that we were there, it was like a boot camp of um, improv. Frank Coyette and Chris Alvarado were our, Frank Coyette was our uh, like teacher, but Chris ended up being like our improv captain for the show. Um, They're both fantastic. That was challenging. That was challenging to do it twice a night some or it's sometimes four times if we had a if it, we had a two show day, um, but yeah, I mean that show was just it it was exhausting and wonderful and you know to to have to switch out from a scripted to an improv back to a scripted back to an improv back to like an emo, an emotional end scene was um, it was a lot but I loved it and I wouldn't have changed that experience for the world and I wish we. We did 100 performances, but I wish we would have done 100 more. That would have been great. So what is what was a typical day like on set versus on Broadway? Or off-Broadway, I should say. Uh, I mean, like on set, you know, I remember the first season, I had like a, a, a two-hour pre-call. So if, if the crew calls 7 a.m., I was there at 5 uh, for, you know, the hair, the makeup, you know, it, it took a long time to be put into the bell look. I think by the end of season four, we got it down to an hour and 15. Um, but so, you know, you start with that and then you, you wait around a lot. You know, you're waiting around for lighting or you're waiting around 
you know, to set up the next shot or you're waiting around because they haven't finished the previous scene. Um, so it's a matter of like keeping yourself energized and not visiting the craft service table too much and like eating, eating your weight and snacks. Um, whereas, you know, for, for doing a play or doing a musical, you know, you, I always get there early, like a half an hour before, you know, our, our rehearsal time. First you have rehearsals from 10 to six, you know, for like three, four weeks, depending on the show. Um, and you know, walk the space, get into the space, warm up your body, warm up your voice. Um, and then you go through your day and then whatever changes or blocking or whatever happened that day, I then go home and I go over, um, so that I'm prepared the next day. So rehearsals, even though they're only 10 to six are more like nine to eight. Um, and then once you get into the, the, you know, the show, it's like you, you can show up at half hour. I always like doing my hair and makeup at the theater. I like sitting. I like being in the space. Um, I don't like to feel rushed. So I would usually get there at 630. So I had an hour and a half to um, do some breathing exercises, some vocal warm-ups, walk the stage, um, and then do my hair and makeup, get into costume, and, and go for it. So uh, it's, a, it's a much shorter day. Um, but you're jamming in all of the emotions and the, the stress that you ha would have in a 12-hour day in a three-hour window. It's like big and then zoink. Mm -hmm. So I've been asking this, this question because, you know, I looked up questions on what are you supposed to ask people when you meet them for the first time to, like, get to know them better? And the one that I thought was the most interesting is was if you could teach a class on anything, like anything at all, what would it be and why? Oh, gosh. I mean, my gut instinct would be tap because I was a tapper. And I loved, I mean, tap dancing was my uh, my bread and butter. Uh, and I thoroughly love doing it. Um, I don't know. That's a great question. That's a great question. Uh, I think I would teach a no, I don't know. There's a lot of things. I don't know. Start listing um, off some things that come to mind. Uh, body positivity. Um, uh, like just uh, a class about having work ethic and being professional. You know, when I, my mom was a, a professor at Kent State uh, in like the dance theater department. And I would go in and I would talk to her, her students a lot. And that was always something that, that was on the forefront of any kind of advice that I could give them. It's like, there's so many things that are out of your control in this business um, that the only thing that you really have control over is showing up and being prepared and having a good attitude. Um, so I think if I wanted to bestow wisdom and, and help and benefit people's careers, that's what I would teach a class on, you know? Your call time is not the time you show up. Your call time is when your butt is in the makeup and hair chair. It's not when you roll up to the studio. Don't, you know, like, unless you're really good at learning your lines in the makeup chair, go over your shit at home. You know, like, just you just want to be as prepared and professional as possible. And I say that now, after four years 
and sometimes taking for granted of the the amazing opportunity I had and like getting frustrated that I had to like wait around. It's like, what are we doing? It's like, you're getting paid to sit around, Caitlin. Why don't you shut your mouth? Um, so, you know, it's like things that when I, and I wasn't like that young, but it was my first like big job. And, you know, that to tell people like, bring a book, bring whatever you need to like, stay in a good place to not worry about that you're sitting around too much or feeling like your, your time is being taken advantage of. Cause I was always like, you know, I could be at a Pilates class right now, or I got to go grocery shopping, you know, like silly, silly things that for some reason would sometimes get under my skin that I look back now and I'm like appalled at, you know, I'm just, you know, I, not that I had a bad attitude, but you know, you don't know what you have until it's gone kind of a deal. And yeah, that's something that I, I, I tried to instill in everybody that I talked to is like, be present, be so present in the moment. Um, and not, not trying to think too far ahead because you don't know when you're going to get another job like this or opportunity like this. And so to make the most of it and because of my work ethic and you know I've been called in by other directors specifically that I worked on with Heart of Dixie people will remember you they they you know they take notice of not only like how much do you enjoy your craft but like do other people enjoy being around you um are you are you always professional all right you know that kind of thing so I guess I guess that I would do a little tap and then I do a little work ethic I think I think that's a really good combination. I'm not very coordinated, but I take that class. Okay. I'd 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 re-enroll back into college just to take that class. <laughs> you flatter me. It's what I'm. It's what I'm very good at. It's what I hear. I tell my mom she doesn't look a day over 25. Oh, uh, you're a very good daughter. Although, granted, I'm not exactly sure how old she is. She said she drank from the Fountain of Youth once. Um, so she could be older than the Civil War for all I know. Oh. She never said when. Sure. That's the real mystery. That's Interview with a vampire. Yeah. Or like an immortal or something like that. Mm-hmm. That would be good. Yeah. Be like, hey, mom, guess what? I'm going to ask you lots of questions. More so than I already do on a daily basis. <laughs> and it's usually like, how do I cook this in the microwave? <laughs> And her answer is, check the box. And I was like, you're right. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I know. Hey, I mean, during college, microwave meals were uh, a go-to or any of those, like, uh, pre-packaged, like, broccoli and cheddar noodles or broccoli and cheddar rice, you know, that you find in uh, the the pre-packaged aisle where it's, like, you know, all instant kind of stuff, instant yeah. potatoes, instant. I mean, that was just... I also could eat like a horse when I was in college because I was dancing so much and um, also just had a really good metabolism when I was in my 20s. So can't do that anymore. Yeah, my just, just have brown rice. You my know? first roommate, because I lived in a dorm for two years with the same girl and then I ended up in an apartment with three other girls. And we're not going to talk about that because that was horrific. Um, mm-hmm. But my first roommate, she is almost she's going to graduate from the theater program with a degree in um like costuming. Hello, Kat. That's Clifford. Hello, Clifford. Hey, hey, Cliff. Come <laughs> on. Okay. All this right, is buddy. my favorite part of every interview when it gets hijacked by the animals. Yeah. Yeah. And she, uh, so when we lived together, 
like we would go to uh, Prentice to eat a lot. And I would always be, she would be like, no, she's like, I need to do this thing. And I was like, you got to eat something because she would always be so like engrossed in whatever like the program was doing. And I would go and I'd sit in like the back and I'd be like, my roommate made those costumes. That would be me. I was I was that roommate. I was like my Aww. my roommate helped with the costumes. Hey, you're pumping people up. That's what I'm here. I'm thinking of making like business cards that say like professional hype woman, but I'm like so overly aggressive and I'm like support this or die. <laughs> like I don't think that's like the <laughs> the 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 best vibes cuz like sometimes I'll post on my like Instagram story of like a photo of me and George and we'll be like have a good day or else. Well, I mean, I feel like that's not horribly aggressive, but yeah, I mean, you know. It's vaguely threatening. Yeah, but you could always, yeah, you just got to change the wording up a little bit. Yeah, I'll think, I have to think about it, but I'm, I really am thinking those business cards have been percolating in my mind for a while. Just got to make them look real pretty. Yeah, the the other thing is, is I doubt anybody else has those business cards and uh, that's, that's one way to always stand out, get that's somebody's true. attention. Be like, hello, here's, see, I just throw my business cards around like candy at a parade. So when I, cause I primarily before COVID, I was doing concert photography. And so okay. if it was a band that I wasn't there, like I didn't finesse my way in through them. I'd throw my business card on the stage with like their set list or something. So then they'd have to pick it up. Smart. Smart. And always thinking. Mm-hmm. But when you look when you look down the road in the next like 10, 20, 30 years, where do you have like a specific role that you would want to play or where do you want to be? Um, I would love to I, I'm supposed to do another play that I was supposed to start last summer um, that we were hoping, you know, we'd workshop for a while and then take it to off Broadway. And it's a very funny show about dating um, and so we are supposed to start that in December. So I will definitely be back in New York in December to do that. Um, but I, I love being on stage. I love being in New York, but I definitely miss, um, doing comedy. Comedy is definitely what I would prefer, whether it's a half hour or kind of a dramedy an hour, as long as I get to be the, the comic relief. Um, but yeah, I would love to do that. I definitely, you know, I think at this point in my life, not that I'm going to say I, I wouldn't like to be number one on the call sheet, uh, the lead of the show. I'm perfectly fine being like number five and, you know, coming in, you know, a couple of days a week and maybe not getting the same um, adoration or, you know, notoriety as whoever is top billing. Um, cause I also, I don't, I don't really want to be famous. Uh, I still want to go grocery shopping and go on vacations and, you know, I, that's never been appealing to me. The thing that I love doing is making people laugh. I think it's one of the greatest gifts and it gives me the greatest joy. Um, so th really that's what I would like to be doing is continuing to entertain in whatever facet that happens to be, um, and hopefully improving people's mood for an hour, half hour, two hours, whatever it happens to be, um, because that I think it's the most rewarding and fulfilling out of any job that I could be doing besides 
you know, being a healthcare worker, like besides saving somebody's life to me, uh, I'm not equating the two. I'm just saying like, as far as being fulfilled as a human being, um, making somebody laugh or putting a smile on their face is, uh, is, is the top. Is the tit, is the tits. It's the tits. The tits. Uh, So yeah, you know, I, I would love to be married. I am, you know, now at 37, I'm kind of like, I always wanted to be a mom. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. If it does happen, it does happen. You know, so that's, I, I had, you know, I had the vision in my head of like when I was going to get married, when I was going to have kids, all that stuff. None of that stuff happened. So I've thrown that plan way out the window. And it's just kind of like, well, wherever life takes me on that journey, I'm just going to kind of go with the flow. But definitely career is what I'm the most focused on right now. I feel like I'm finally getting my mojo back. You know, I have tried to use this time during the pandemic to update my reel to get back in shape, to go to therapy, you know, like just stuff to really kind of get back to the mental, emotional, and physical being that I was five years ago. And, you know, the fluctuation of, of kind of like depression and anxiety that it has been ever, ever since Dixie, because, you know, it's just been kind of like a a smattering of jobs here and there and a smattering of relationships here and there. And it it definitely can take a toll on you. So it's, you know, the pandemic's awful and terrible and, you know, but I've, I've tried to use this time to hopefully grow and better myself so that I'm prepared and ready for when the opportunity comes along. I'm a huge proponent of like, I'm like, go to therapy so much fun. I said, my therapist is great. I've been seeing her since I was 17. Like, I couldn't imagine going to see anybody else because she knows too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was I was so lucky in New York is when I first started and it was after the, the show closed because I was just, I was devastated and I didn't know what I was going to do. And, you know, I just, I had moved across the country and I really thought that this was going to like, take off and, and, um, and I was just, you know, just didn't want to get out of bed kind of a deal. And luckily through Actors Equity, through the Actors Fund, I was able to find a therapist, um, for free because I'm a union member and I've been with him ever since. And, uh, now we just do it over Zoom, uh, which is great and, and works well. And, you know, I, I, everybody should talk to somebody everybody find or or find a group to talk to like there's just you know there's just so many possibilities but um it's it's nothing but a detriment to to trap your emotions and your mental fragility in inside you know it's just work work on it are you uh are you familiar with john mulaney yes yeah and he's like i'm gonna keep all my emotions right here and then i'll die (laughs) I said, that was my plan. It does not work. Can confirm does not work. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the bit about the, the colleges being like, give us some money. I, that's where I worked. I worked in, I specifically worked in that, um, department, um, while I was at Kent for about a year. And I was, I was in charge of being like, give us some money, but 
you know, here's a thank you card for giving us money, but also please give us more money. Right. Yeah. It's never enough. It's you're never that, enough. It's, you, you, you don't get checked off the list after you donate. You get, you get put on the other list of contact again in three months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my last official, official question is uh-huh. do you, what advice would you give to creatives or people who are scared of putting their selves out there or their work? Um, you don't know until you do it. You don't, I mean, you can, you can make up a bunch of scenarios in your head about how it's going to be received or how you're going to be received. Um, but you're never going to actually know the answer unless you put yourself out there, unless you take the chance. I mean, it's scary. It's, you know, But to me, it's worth it. I think you you have to be so passionate about what you want to do that the fear of people saying no or I didn't like it or that's just not for us is, is less than you wanting to at least try. And I would tell my mom's students, you really have to kind of eat sleep and breathe this a little bit like you have to want it that much because there are so many people that are going to tell you no versus yes there's so many people that are going to be like really you're an actor or really you're a customer or really like what have you done and you're like well I've only done this or I haven't done anything and you know there's this you constantly feel like you have to validate yourself or find some kind of validation in someone else or something else um and so it, it really, again, it kind of goes back to your work ethic. It's like you got to give it. You got to give it as much as you can possibly give. Um, and, you know, my mom always said, she's like, you'll know. You'll know when you, you don't want to do this anymore. It'll, it'll reveal itself to you where you just either mentally or emotionally, you're like, I gave it my best shot. This doesn't bring me joy anymore. I'm not I'm not loving the life that I am living right now. Um, but you don't know until you try. So, I mean, what's worse? Trying and failing or trying and hearing no or always wondering what if? I think what if is worse. That's very sound advice because that's also how I think. I But I, I think that's part of the reason why I'm like so anxious as a person is I constantly live in the what if instead of I, the I do the same I do the same thing I, I you know um my anxiety has definitely fluctuated a, a lot during the pandemic you know you were talking about mental health and I think it's really important to you know I there came a point this summer where I was like I don't want to get out of bed I don't you know I'm I'm not losing weight like I would like to be losing weight I'm not you know not, uh, I'm self-medicating with alcohol, um, to the point where I was like, okay, we should try some antidepressants. I think it's time. And, um, I tried Prozac and it was good for a little while. And then I got really sick. I got migraines. I got nauseous. I got jittery. Um, so I got off that and then I tried Wellbutrin and I've been on Wellbutrin since October and it has been a game changer. Um, for me, it hasn't, it's helped the anxiety a little bit, but really it's the depression that like, it's like time to get up, time to work out, 
you know, I think also having Wilma to go to a reason to get up and put on real pants and, you know, drive and go see her and try to be of service to somebody else um, has also done wonders for me. But, um, you know, I, I, I just think I, I'm glad that you're whatever your project or whatever you're doing with mental health. I think it's so important. I think it's so important that people speak out that like, we're not all okay. Like, you know, and if you are great, but if you're not like either go to therapy or talk to, talk to a doctor about medication or, um, because your brain is an organ and your brain can get sick too. So there's not, there's nothing wrong with, um, taking control over it and trying to make, make it better. Just like you would heart disease or, you know, um, diabetes, you know, high blood pressure, cholesterol, whatever it is, you know, that you have to factor in your, your brain into that. Yeah. Um, Most people don't think of it. I have a nice, this is, this is how I am as an adult now. I have a nice little, um, pill, a four day pill minder. It's very beautiful. It makes a maraca noise when I move it. (laughs) I like it. I got my, my antidepressants, my, um, anti-anxiety. And then, um, right before Christmas, I got diagnosed with uh, bipolar depression, which was like a gut punch. So now I got, um, I got some stuff for that, which is super fun. They're, they're so big for no reason. Yes. For no reason. They're so fucking huge. Yeah. But, um, so that's, that's part of the reason why I'm like, I'm doing that project is because I really want others to know it. A it's for me to like make sense of it. Um, cause yeah. that's how I've always, like dealt with things as I just learned more about it and B, you know, you never want anybody to feel like they're going through it alone. And so if I'm like, look at these regular people, just, it's not just these big celebrities that are like, Oh, I have depression and anxiety. It's like, it's regular people too. Oh yeah. It's everybody. And I like, I, I just, I think, (coughs) excuse me. I think the stigma of mental health is, is slowly starting to break down, um, more and more. And I think, the more people are open and honest about it, you know, I also think you have to like kind of come to terms with stuff, you know, like I had to really recognize that I was self-medicating with alcohol because I was depressed. And then I was getting more depressed, depressed because I was self-medicating with alcohol and it was a vicious cycle. Um, and, uh, so, you know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta start from a place kind of within a recognizing, you know, kind of that asking for help or knowing that like, I shouldn't feel this way every day because not everybody feels this way every day. So this is not a normal thing. So what are, what are the steps? What's the path that I can take to to feel better? Like to, to enjoy life, to be present, to not try to live in the what ifs too much, um, to not be pessimistic or fearful, you know, I mean, we're all going to have those moments, but if it's happening on a daily or a recurring basis, you know, then uh, you need to you need to find out what's going on up in your noggin so that you can tell your brain to relax. <laughs> then everything is okay. I'm at I'm at the point in my life where like I'm always at a certain level of stress that if I'm not at that level and I'm like actually relaxed, I get more stressed. Because I was supposed to take a day off. I'd been doing filming back to back to back for like a straight week. And it was exhausting because, you know, you feel your social timer just hit out at some points, Mm -hmm. which is why I usually 
I can usually gear how long episodes of things are going to be because my social timer will run out at a certain point and Mm -hmm. you'll be able, like, you'll be able to tell. And I just lost my train of thought. I saw it and it was going and it just left. See, this is what happens. I said, that's the ADHD in my brain. (laughs) Social timer, um, that, uh, what else? Um, well, yeah, see, I can, I can only go back so far <laughs> until it's like, nope, sorry. That yeah. was a fleeting moment. And yep, it's it gone. was, it was a thought and it was gone. Yeah. I don't know where it went. I, I find that very interesting what you said. Cause I, there's something that I realized in therapy that I was more comfortable with being uncomfortable in a relationship than I was comfortable being comfortable. Like that, like, chaos and un, being uncomfortable or uh, like somewhat unhappy was more of a normal feeling. So when something would come along where it was like, oh, this is like, I'm happy and this is easy and this, and you're just like, nope, thumbs off, yeah. thumbs off, Something's a shoe is, shoe is going to drop, something's going to explode. This is not normal. And so, you know, that's something that I'm working with my, uh, working on with my therapist right now about why you know, where's the other shoe coming from? That's what yeah, what yeah, and why you're why you're creating scenarios that aren't happening? Yeah, I remember what it was now. So I was supposed to take a break and a day off, and I physically could not do it because it made me so much more anxious to be relaxed than it was to like be stressed and work on stuff. So I said that'll be a fun thing to break down on Monday. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I th- I think a lot of us, you know feel that way. And I think, you know, we've kind of conditioned ourselves as a society, especially in the United States, that like, if you're taking time for yourself, you're lazy or you're, you're not productive. Um, whereas like, you know, I I feel like in Europe, they're like, yeah, we're going to take a two hour lunch every day. I'd love that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I, there's moments where you, you have to, like, make time to slow down. You have to make time to, like, kind of sometimes sit with yourself, which isn't always the easiest thing. Because sometimes your brain's running and you can't shut it off. And they, gave, so. they really had to give me Adderall to give my brain to stop doing that. That's where, I, yeah. They said, yeah. here's, it's supposed to help with ADHD and focus, but... Um, I said, weirdly enough, it helps more with the anxiety than it does with focus. So interesting. I know. Well, hey, you know that's whatever. Whatever works. You whatever. know, some people, some people are like, I have to do yoga every single day, and then I meditate. Like, that's not for me. Nope. I need to exercise every day. That is something that I need to do physically. I have to. It makes me feel better about myself. It gets the endorphins going. It releases, like, some of the anxiety. But, you know, me quieting my mind for, like, even five minutes, I'm like, that's that's not going to happen. Too much. I've been doing – um. so I'm starting, uh, like, exercising again because I haven't really been, like, consistently doing it. And I'm not very strong, nor do I have a lot of workout equipment. So I've been doing these, like, dance party workouts to, like, One Direction and um, some – Great. And it's so fun. And I was like, wow, I feel good. I remember why, like, I don't remember why I stopped. And then I woke up the next morning and my whole body hurt. And I was like, ah, yes, I remember now. Mm-hmm. But then I got up and did it again. And I said, you know what? I said, me, even just like last year, wouldn't have been able to do this. So that feels like a big step. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Progress, even like in the biggest or littlest forms is progress. Yeah. Well, unless you have anything else that you would like to add, as they say on the episode of hot and at the end of hot ones, um, the floor is yours. You can do this camera, this camera, or this camera, or your camera. Um, tell the people what you got going on, or if you want to plug anything. Um, not, I really don't have much right now. I mean, uh, over this pandemic, I did write two new sketches. One was called Short Sesh, which was about a couple's therapy session that takes place over Zoom because he chose to quarantine with his mother instead of his girlfriend. Um, that's on YouTube. And then I did, uh, the sequel to relationship deli, which is relationship deli return. She's trying to return the relationship that she bought, uh, customer service and customer service wise. Uh, and then hopefully when I'm in LA, I'm going to do the next series, uh, in the relationship deli series, which is called couples cafe. And it's couples seeking other couples as friends and, and what they want you know, are they like a physical couple? Or are they more mental? Um, you know, do they like kids? Do they not want kids? That kind of thing. So hopefully I'm going to shoot that uh, when I get out there. But next, next, kind of next year, the end of this year, I will go back to New York and I will start uh, a play called Squirrel Screams and Other Dating Sounds. So hopefully that will come to, we'll be able to workshop it and, uh, Right now, we're crossing our fingers that we'll be able to open off-Broadway on Valentine's Day of 2022. Ooh. I actually really so. want to see that. Maybe I'll make a day trip up to New York and go see that because that sounds super fun. It's it's great. It's so fantastic. We had the best time. We did a staged reading um, back in February uh, of last year. And, um, yeah, we're really excited. We're going to workshop it, I think, over at Malloy College. And hopefully, like, a bunch of producers are going to throw some money at us, and then we can take it to Off-Broadway. <laughs> That's the plan. So we'll see what happens. But, uh, yeah, hopefully I'll be back on stage next year, and uh, hopefully I'll do some TV stuff this year. Fingers crossed. Fingers are crossed. I don't know. What is what has been knocked? Um, yeah. All the what is it that they do for uh, snow days? They flush ice cubes down the toilet. Oh, I've never heard that. Really? No. Uh-uh, oh. I'm too old. You wear your pajamas backwards and you, f- you sleep with a spoon under your pillow and you flush ice cubes down the toilet. It's a whole thing. That sounds like something out of a Wiccan book. <laughs> Maybe. 